the Voice of St. Louis original podcast. Welcome into the STL All Local Podcast from the KMOX Newsroom. I'm Michael Calhoun with What You Need to Know. Our top local story on this Friday, May 5th. A suspect is in custody after this week's shooting in a downtown parking garage that killed one woman and left two men wounded. Captain Pierre Benoist says security will remain high through a busy weekend. We've been in touch with pretty much all the parking garages downtown, the hotels that have garages and stuff, and they're on heightened security also. Even though, you know, we believe we, we took the, the correct subject into custody today. The man was captured near the scene of Wednesday's murder and Thursday night's double shooting on Friday. The suspect's name has not been released and police have not revealed how he was connected to Wednesday's fatal shooting in the garage at 9th and St. Charles. Now, the latest from Missouri's capital. The Missouri legislature gave final passage to a list of appropriations bills today in the $50 billion spending plan. House Budget Chairman Cody Smith. Uh, We have record funding here for K-12 education. Fully funded formula, fully funded transportation, uh, teacher pay increases, lots of different things. All other bills have to be passed by the end of the legislative session next Friday. Governor Parson may still call for a special session if bills dealing with transgender issues are not sent to his desk. St. Louis Circuit Attorney Kim Gardner today said she was forced from office because some feared her reforms would mean the loss of jobs among people who arrest, detain, and prosecute black people. Gardner's spokeswoman told KMOX today there would be no public appearance by Gardner. Other media outlets told the same thing. The Post-Dispatch reports Gardner was, quote, surrounded by her remaining supporters. Kim Gardner's resignation letter does not end her troubles with Missouri's Attorney General. Attorney General Andrew Bailey tells KMOX he is not going to drop the lawsuit to remove Kim Gardner from office just yet because he says the current deal Gardner made with the Missouri Senate to step down is not ironclad. I am not ruling out the potential that she won't leave and so we have to keep pushing forward. Even though she's written the letter saying I resign? A few days ago, she was thundering from the pulpit that she wasn't going anywhere. Bailey says he'll drop the lawsuit if Gardner agrees to step down right away, not June 1st, after the Missouri legislature adjourns, and to sign a consent decree promising never to run for a circuit attorney again. Kevin Colleen, KMOX News. Former circuit attorney Jennifer Joyce says whomever takes over for Kim Gardner needs to reach out to the rest of the legal system in St. Louis pretty quickly. Um, I would also meet with the judges. Uh, really quickly and um, ask them for a grace period because it's clear that they don't have enough attorneys right now to manage the docket. And I would ask, you know, if we can have a reduced docket or a suspended docket for a very brief period of time while we um, get our arms around it. And then I would, my next stop would be to normalize the relationships with the police as well. Um, I think that's something that needs a reboot. Mayor Tashara Jones in February said Gardner should, quote, take accountability and do some soul searching. Today, Jones was asked on our sister station, Hot 1041, if there's been backlash. What I meant when I said that is that these jobs are very difficult and she was in a very difficult position. So mm-hmm. take some time, pray search your soul uh, to decide whether or not you want to continue to do this. In other news, former U.S. Ambassador to Ireland Kevin O'Malley joined Hancock and Kelly after his tour of Ireland with President Joe Biden last month. He's aware of concerns about Biden's age, but says doubts about his stamina should be shelved. I make plenty of room for the for the for the argument that President Biden is too liberal or is too conservative, depending on what your view is. But I think anyone who's spent any amount of time with him would not debate uh, his 
stamina and his mental ability. St. Louis native Andy Cohen is getting a star on the St. Louis Walk of Fame in the Del Mar Loop this hour. Earlier today... What an honor it is to be on the voice of St. Louis. Uh, as I stand here and sign 1,000 copies of my book in the basement of Left Bank Books. He was on with Amy and Chris. The KMOX business desk, Missouri wants to lure movie companies to shoot here. The Missouri legislature has passed tax credits for the film and music industries. The credit program expired 10 years ago. It would provide a tax credit equal to 20% of qualifying film production expenses, even more if half the movie is shot in Missouri or it's shot in a blighted area. If approved, the tax credits would begin later this year and expire in 2030 unless the legislature extends them. The bill now heads to Governor Mike Parson for a decision. Megan Lynch, KMOX News. Well, as we continue on KMOX, let's get the latest on a major St. Louis company. Anheuser-Busch InBev is still dealing with the fallout when it comes to Bud Light. And joining us right now is Ben Steinman, the editor of Beer Marketers Insights. Uh, ben, uh, this is a day where Anheuser-Busch reported its global results. Uh, and on the conference call with analysts, Bud Light was a major topic of conversation. Yes, uh, it was very uncharacteristic, I would say. The CEO of Anheuser-Busch... Uh, addressed it for almost five minutes to at virtually at the beginning of the conference call and then several of the questions were also about that and what especially was uncharacteristic normally companies don't like to talk about uh, results in the quarter that's you know not the one that was just passed but the one they're in the middle of but this had to be addressed this simply had to be addressed do you know if these kinds of decisions are made in new york or at the St. Louis uh, AB headquarters, uh, Chicago's had a, an AB hub. Oh no, these would be more based in New York. That's the that's the U.S. headquarters. So, what did the executives at AB have to uh, have to say? There have been some statements that have been put out over the last few weeks, um, and uh, the the reaction from those has uh, not necessarily been uh, receptive. I mean, you know, first thing is they're reiterating this point that uh, it's a, it was a single can that wasn't available publicly, a single post, not an ad or a campaign. Then they also talked about uh, their workers, uh, whether it's Salesforce, the truck drivers, the distributor personnel, or, or the bar and restaurant folks, and they're giving them uh, direct f- financial support. And they're uh, boosting the media on uh, uh, Bud Light uh a lot. I mean, it turns out three times this summer, we'd already uh, written about some of that uh, from a prior meeting. Um, you know, and then they sort of reiterated they're going to go about doing what they've always done, sort of like you know, uh, being a very wide-ranging brand. And and uh, I don't know uh, that that that's sort of the highlights. Um, but uh, you know, he also did say that. Uh, as bad as Bud Light has been here in the United States, I think he was trying to reassure investors, but he said it's not really going to have a gigantic impact on on the global corporation. Benjiva, when it comes to the U.S. portfolio for AB InBev, how big of a role does Bud Light play these days, especially with the, the craft beer buying binge that AB has been on and their coast-to-coast well, now presence in that industry? Yes, and then they did a very good job of, of you know buying a position uh, and growing within that position and sort of disrupting that segment over a period of years. But that's still a relatively small part of their business. Bud Light's still their biggest brand. It is still the biggest brand in the United States, even though it's declined quite substantially from its peak. 
for the last 15 years. It's still about 30% of Anheuser-Busch's volume. And what if the latest uh, sales figures, year to year comparisons uh, for Bud Light over the month of April? What have we uh, been able to learn from those? Well, I mean, it, it's uh, you know disastrous so far, April. I mean, it was eleven percent the first week, twenty one percent. This is volume, twenty one percent the second week, twenty six percent the third week. So sales have just been worse uh, all month long. Uh, and from what we heard from distributors, it wasn't really any much better in the fourth week. We'll find that out next week. Um, but, um, you know, the year-to-date number, at least in the in the Nielsen scan data, we've not yet seen the other purveyor of uh, that information, but it was minus eight, which really is kind of similar to last year. It's just that it had been improving through March with the new campaign, with more expenditures. Uh, yeah. And so... Uh, the 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 decline, the steep steep rate of decline in in April was shocking. Is shocking. It looked like uh, the figures, at least for um, I think the the week of the twenty second, looked like um, the combination of Coors Light and Miller Light up was the exact same as uh, the decline of Bud Light. Well, I guess it's, uh, they were both growing, you know, like twenty percent in dollars. I can't, I can't remember the exact numbers off the top of my head for them, but it was, it was strong double digits. And I think what you're referring to is virtually the same amount of share of the premium light segment that Bud Light lost. They gained. Now you mentioned uh, the distributors. It seems like the wholesalers have been at the forefront of this, at least in terms of bearing the brunt of the criticism uh, from customers out there. I, unfortunately, that's a very uh, uh, problematic aspect of all this. Uh, the distributors are, uh, employees are really suffering on the front lines of this, um, and uh, all kinds of uh, problems are happening at, at a, uh, a local level that uh, really completely outside their control, not um, something that, the, that they did. So it's been a very difficult period for, for distributors, I think. With the changes, the additional investment in advertising and marketing, the executive shifts, uh, what, what, what's the feeling? What's the prospect uh, for the brand moving forward? I mean, we never predict the future, so I'm going to decline to do so here. But you know, right now it's really tough, and um, I, I there's still a lot of unease and anger and and upset among the distributor ranks, and and they don't necessarily think it's getting better real soon, but. Uh, Obviously, uh, Michelle, the CEO of Anheuser-Busch InBev, laid down several markers that he thought was going to get them going in a better direction going forward. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Michael Calhoun. You can always subscribe on the Odyssey app and have a safe weekend.